It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. It is the weekend mailbag. We thought we might be talking a little bit about the remainder of minicamp that was previously canceled. That was going to be happening on Wednesday and Thursday this week. We're, of course, recording on Thursday, as we always do for the mailbag, but no such luck. So we go full mailbag, James, and... The only thing I'll mention for a quick conversation before we get started is there's a report that Morgan Moses is in talks, deep in talks, with the New York Jets, who are now said to be favorites to sign him to a multi-year deal. I assume that means it would be starting money or fringe starting money. So if you were one of those fans that was hoping for Morgan Moses to come play swing tackle for the Bengals, it makes sense that there's still a starting market for him out there, and it looks like he's found it. That being said, Jay Morrison did a good job over at The Athletic listing some other tackles that are still available, including some of the guys we talked about yesterday, like Rick Wagner. But just thought we'd start there, James. I think we even had a question somewhere in the mailbag about pursuing additional offensive linemen, so we'll just talk about it now. Yeah, we had a bunch of questions about that, and look, the Morgan Moses, assuming it gets done in New York, it stinks, but what that says is the Bengals are confident in Riley Reef at right tackle and they don't want to move him. And that's, that's really what it is. And that's, I don't, I'm not going to blame them for that. At the same time, I would like this offensive line more with a Morgan Moses. So now you mentioned Rick Wagner, that would be near the top of my list. Is he one wanting to play Two, are the Bengals interested? I, I don't know, but I hope so because he had a really good year last year. I think he could certainly contribute and be that guy that you mentioned uh, where he just kind of bulks up that uh, tackle depth. And to me, they they should know they need another veteran. And I wonder that like they're banking on Frank Pollock to, Pollock to develop some of these young guys. And I understand it. But you just lost one of these key young guys that you thought could be a swing tackle. Let's go get a proven veteran here to make Frank Pollock's job a little bit easier. It does become a bit of an interesting conversation, James, because some folks are already looking ahead to the 53-man roster, right? Charlie G from the Cincinnati Inquirer, one of those guys, one of those people. And he's already cutting some offensive linemen just to get down to 53. So it's not like every offensive lineman on the team currently is going to make the team. And he's cutting a tackle, and that's Isaiah Prince, keeping Riley Reef, Fred Johnson, Deontay Smith, and Jonah Williams a tackle. So... There perhaps is a question in their minds like, oh, do we bring in a veteran tackle now while we still have four healthy tackles, even though Adenergy did get hurt? Or do we wait and see what happens in camp? Do we wait and assess the need? And at some point, you know, guys do tend to get hurt. You hope that you get through the season healthy, but depth is important. And the depth behind the Bengal starters right now is very inexperienced. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about finding some experienced depth 
that can be position versatile. So ideally finding guys that can kick inside and play a little bit of guard as well. Let's get into some questions though, James. We've got a bunch as we always do. The first question we're going to take today comes from Flyer Fanatic at LOWD fan. He would like to know if we were able to make our own signature Built Bar flavors, what flavors would they be? And also he would like to know how much we charge for Built Bar wrapper or I guess maybe bar in wrapper autographs. Not zero. Not zero charging dollars. for my autograph. What do you mean? If you want an <laughs> autograph anytime, Flyer Fanatic, that's no problem. Uh, but make sure you use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. As far as the flavor goes, and look, this would be like copyright infringement or whatever, and I know there's some peanut butter, but like, what if you go like the Butterfinger route and it's like a Butterfinger protein bar? I had a a Butterfinger Blizzard yesterday, so that's probably what's on my mind right now. Um, And and to me, if you could somehow make that into a protein bar and get it close – so, sort of like the Almond Joy, right? Like the the, the um, coconut almond is like an Almond Joy. If you could find a way to make a Butterfinger version, oh, baby. So th- that would be the one that I would try to come up with. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. I just – I don't know if you can get to 17 grams of protein in, into a glorified Butterfinger. But if anyone can, it's Built Bar. Pitch it to them, James. I think I think they'll take it. I mean maybe they've even tried it, right? I, I we, dig, we do occasionally get some, some flavors that I don't know if they ever quite make it to market and – so we have tried some things that kind of seemed like they were going in that direction. Do, do you remember those? Uh, maybe we can't talk about them too much, but we have had some some sample flavors before. I don't need to make up a flavor because the coconut brownie chunk is is all I need in my life. That's it. Next question comes from Joe Kepke at Joe Kepke2 on Twitter. Did Zach's interview with Peter Schreger and Sean McVay change your opinion of him? Do you think Sean's praise of Zach is just him being nice to a friend on a podcast? Or do you think Zach can genuinely be a solid NFL head coach? A lot going on in this question. We did talk about this interview in a previous episode. So you can go find that one and and kind of get our initial thoughts there. I'll repeat some of those things without trying to be too redundant. And one of the observations that I made is that McVeigh reminds me of Tony Romo. Or not Tony Romo, uh, John Gruden as an announcer in terms of like, I love this guy, the the cheerleader attitude. And I think part of it is also genuine praise. I think that McVeigh really liked what Zach Taylor did for him. I think that it's true that Zach Taylor probably went above and beyond. You can go back and look when Zach and Press got their jobs. Zach Taylor and Press Taylor got their jobs in the NFL. Both of them drew praise as rising stars years ago. And so this this was potential that was recognized before he became a head coach. And I, I certainly think that he could be a solid NFL head coach. He could be a good NFL head coach. We knew coming into the job that he was going to need time to develop. It seems like, for better or worse, he is now satisfied with this roster, right? He's talking about this locker room as this, as if this is finally his team. And it took longer than Bengals fans wanted it to take, especially coming off of Marvin Lewis's immediate success when he took over. But this is the year, right? This is a year for him to show everybody, yeah, I, I do belong in this job. I do belong in this league. And we've put together a roster with coaches I believe in and players I believe in that can do the job. And if he doesn't, well, that just might mean he's out of chances. 
Yeah, I think we'll know by week eight. I don't think it's going to take long. I mean, the, the early part of the Bengals' schedule is the part where you they're going to have to do damage if they're going to surprise people. So I think we're going to know pretty quickly. And I'm in very much prove-it mode for Zach because there are a lot of head coaches in the first two years that would dream, dream, and beg for Andy Dalton in year one and Joe Burrow for 10 games in year two. And I, I get it. They won a couple of games without Burrow down the stretch. So, okay, let's see it here in year three, like you said, with the team being what he hoped it would be, I think, in the roster really fitting the mold and the vision of not only Zach Taylor, but Lou Anarumo, Brian Callahan, and the rest of this coaching staff. Yeah, that's really what it is, right? They've they've got to get it together as a whole staff because every time we talk about this roster and I try to predict this season, I, I come back to just like, I have no idea. Like if things go really well, you can see it going really like you can totally see a, a good scenario, like a legitimately good team. And you can also see it just all collapsing again. Like, b- Both of those things are, are totally possible in my mind right now. The next question we're going to take, we're going to get to after the break. This comes from PJ Foley 8 underscore 23 on Twitter. He wants us to do some tiering, James, of the Bengals different position groups. We'll get into his question coming up next. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and fee withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. When you make your purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you're going to be automatically entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As promised, we're going to get into doing some tier lists, James. PJ Foley at PJ8 underscore 23 on Twitter would like us to do a tier list of Bengals position groups taking into account talent and depth. And so the way we're going to do this tier list, James, is we're going to do it the way that I've seen video game tier lists done. We've got S tier for the excellent elite, better than great. A tier for the cream of the crop, really, really good, the great B tier for the above average, C tier average, D tier below average, and I guess F tier would be, you know, seller dweller. Hopefully we don't have anything there, but let's start in the S tier. Do the Bengals have any position groups 
that crack the egg of being overpowered to put it in video game terms. Maybe safety would be the one that I could think of, you know, and they have a couple of areas that could like if Joe Burrow takes a couple of steps, which he's expecting to then sure. Right. I mean, we've seen NFL MVPs in year two at quarterback over the past couple of years. So it wouldn't shock me Uh, at the same time. I don't think he's there yet. The same thing goes for Jesse Bates and Von Bell at safety. The same thing goes for the wide receiver trio, which could be great, but we still need to see Jamar Chase. Is he going to be as productive as Justin Jefferson or have that type of impact? If so, then we might put him there, but I I can't do it yet. Do you, uh, am I off on that? Do you see any there? No, I agree with you. I think there's like potential, right? For the wide receiver group to get there. That's the, that's the big one. And we talked a little bit about the safeties before we started recording Jesse Bates. If he plays like he did all year last year, and if Von Bell plays the way he did in the second half last year, I think that's where the safeties get themselves into that conversation. I think you could see Joe Burrow take a leap, but when I think about S tier, right? Like we're talking depth as well, right? And is Brandon Allen, good enough. I guess with, with quarterback, it really is just your starter. And if Joe Burrow takes that step and is a top six quarterback in the NFL, then you would call your quarterback. I don't even know. I don't know if that's quite S tier. That might be like the top end of the A tier even, but the wide receivers is a group where I think in terms of depth, in terms of quality at the top, they could definitely get there. If Jamar chase has a kind of rookie year that we think he could, but once we get to the A tier, I think we we start to get a little bit more interesting with some some groups on this team that actually I think can start the season there. And I think that those are the two that we talked about as they they could ascend into that S tier. And I think that that's safety and wide receiver for some of the reasons we've talked about. Jesse Bates being one of the class free agent or sorry, class free safety in the league and, and Von Bell finding his way in the second half. And the, the top three of that wide receiver depth chart, I think, are, are very, very strong with solid depth and guys like Auden Tate, Mike Thomas, Trent Taylor, and maybe Stanley Morgan contributing to special teams. And so of, of all the position groups, those are the two that I think I would say solidly A tier. Are there any that you think push the envelope or, or I should just straight up be including? No, there are a couple. Well, maybe push the envelope. Yes, push the envelope. Because again, Burrow is probably borderline there, but probably in the B tier. And I'm just going to say Burrow, you know, the quarterback room. And then Joe Mixon, too. They paid him for a reason. I think it's reasonable to expect him to be in one of these top two tiers by the end of this year. But going into this season after just six games and an injury-riddled 2020, you can't put the running backs there. You lose Giovanni Bernard. I mean, so unless Mixon takes a step, your running backs are probably worse than they were a year ago, at least on paper. But those are probably the two that stand out. And there's a common theme here that most of them are on offense with uh, ex- the exclusion of Jesse Bates, Von Bell, and those safeties. I will say that we forgot one guy for the S tier. The Bengals hmm. do have one S tier position group, and it's Clark Harris. <laughs> Actually, if we're doing that, then Brandon Wilson. I don't know, man. No. Kick returner. A, a. Solid A. But he, he he hasn't had the consistent success long enough, I think, to, to quite earn that overpowered tier classification but uh, let's keep going let's go to the b tier i think this is where we'll find quite a few of these bengals units and uh, let's start on the offensive side of the ball i think joe burrow brandon allen quarterbacks start the year in the b tier with plenty 
of upward mobility. Joe Burrow showed everything that you would want to see out of a rookie quarterback last year, but he didn't perform the way that Justin Herbert did last year by most measures. And does that mean that I think Justin Herbert is going to be a better quarterback long-term than Joe Burrow? No, but it does mean that Herbert put up some gaudy numbers and did some very, very flashy things. And for that reason, a lot of analysts, he did not get hurt either. And so for those reasons, a lot of analysts would put Justin Herbert in terms of where they're starting the year ahead of Burrow. And I do find some of that to be persuasive, even though I don't think that really has any bearing on long-term futures for these guys. I think by the end of the year, Burrow solidly A tier, even by like week four or five, if we revisit this question, maybe each quarter of the year, Burrow has elevated himself at that point. And I think that certainly the running backs fit into this category as well. I, I do think that Joe Mixon is good enough to to bring this entire group that is really unproven behind him with the loss of Giovanni Bernard that probably would have had them in the A tier last year, has, has them in the B tier solidly this year. Again, I would say with upward mobility, if Joe Mixon hits on all those cylinders, we think he could. And then outside of that, I think the the position group that is really pushing for this is, is going to be cornerback. I think that between Waynes, Bouzier, Hilton, and Phillips, and a little bit of Eli Apple, I think those top five guys stack up pretty well around the league in terms of depth, but they're maybe missing that really high-end number one. And so for that reason, I think that they're above, they could be above average as a group, but but aren't quite in that great tier that would put them in tier A. I agree. I, I And I, I don't really think their ceiling is tier A either. I think like it's like B minus to B plus. Yeah. Right. That their their floor is pretty high. But again, none of these guys are going to turn into this all pro or pro bowler this year. And I would be surprised if that happens, which is OK, especially if you have Jesse Bates at safety. Uh, tier C. This is tough because. First, I think tight end, probably tier C. I think they are average if CJ Uzama is healthy. That's one that, yeah, sample. Look, he was picked in the second round. People are going to be concerned there or or rip that pick. But I I think he's fine. I think he's an average NFL tight end. I certainly think CJ Uzama is as well. And who knows, maybe Thad Moss or Cheyenne O'Grady or one of these guys ends up uh, performing well, pro wells uh, during camp and making the team. That being said... After that, I think it's a lot of you know defensive spots here. The defensive line as a whole, should we do interior in in the edge? Should we combine them all? Because if we combine them all, I think that they're probably average, maybe slightly below average. Maybe they're a C minus, low end C tier. And I get it; they didn't have a lot of sacks last year. But uh, DJ Reader, Larry Ogunjobi, Trey Hendricks, and, and Sam Hubbard. Can I really say? that those guys are D, I'm not doing that. So I think they're in that C tier. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the defensive line on the whole, because we've gone very long on this question, we'll categorize them all together, is in that C tier. Again, I think there's upward mobility here, uh, not with all positions, but certainly with the defensive line. If Trey Hendrickson is truly that ascending player that the Bengals think they got and they're right and I'm wrong, and I hope they are, because uh, I think that he was a bit of a product of his environment. I think he's still a very good player, but I don't think that he's a star necessarily the way he's getting paid. But if he is, and Sam Hubbard continues to be very consistent, and DJ Reader's really good, and they can get some consistency out of Larry Ogunjobi, 
this unit could be very, very good. And, and that could put them in the above average tier, in the B tier. I think that that's probably it for the for the C tier. Huber's probably there as well. Don't need to spend too much time on the specialist. So then we get to the D tier, the, the area where it's probably below average. They have to prove some things if they want to get themselves into average. And I don't think there's any F tier units on this team necessarily, but I would say the linebackers and the offensive line have plenty to prove. Might even in some ways start this year in the F tier and, and need to make their way out of it by proving who they are and how good they can be. But I'm not going to put them in the F tier. I think that's too much for June when everyone's optimistic. So I would call <laughs> these units probably below average with, again, plenty of room to improve, plenty of room to get to average in these groups if certain players take steps. And I, and I do think the offensive line has gotten better, but I think last year we would probably mostly agree that it was very poor. It was probably that F tier. Absolutely. And can they get to average? I think it's realistic to expect that. They're just not there yet. We don't know what Jackson Carmen is. Can't do it. Right. We think Riley Reef is going to be an upgrade at right tackle. Still need to see it. We think Frank Pollock is going to help these young guys develop. Still need to see it. Linebacker-wise, they have a ton of potential. There's just there's nothing there to go off of. So that's why it's almost unfair to the, the young guys, but they they have to prove it. So that's uh, that's where we are. It was weird how much we agreed there, but I think we were very fair graders uh, in tier rankers of the Bengals roster. And Jake, for uh, the first time in Locked on Bengals history, we've had one question last an entire segment, PJ Foley with his tears and uh that was certainly a fun one. We'll continue the mailbag next. There is nothing worse than having unreliable transportation, and that's why we use rockauto.com here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. I've used them a ton. You should, too, because, look, the weather's warm right now, and now it's the time to do those maintenance things and address those issues before they turn into major problems, and rockauto.com can do it. You're going to save time. You're going to save money. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even double for the same price from a chain store or car dealership? It doesn't matter what you're looking for, whether you drive a Honda, a Toyota, a Kia, a Ford, maybe something old school, classic, a Daewoo. They got you covered at rockauto.com. You're going to save time. You're going to save money. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck. Be sure to write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. I have a vacation coming up in just a few weeks and I'm going to be at the lake. Guess what you have to do at the lake? Take your shirt off and like you, I've been trying to shed a little bit, trim up a little bit, get a little bit leaner, get a little bit more in shape, and you can do that with Built Bar. We talk about them all the time. Not only are they the best protein bars on the planet, but they can help you reach your fitness goals one day at a time, whether it's a midday snack, whether it's a post-workout protein-packed snack. It doesn't matter what it is or what you need Built Bar can help you do it. I know some of our listeners use them as a perfect breakfast bar. Doesn't matter. Whatever you're looking for, I'm telling you, Built Bar has got something for you in every bar covered in 100% chocolate. And the best part is, is not only do they taste great, 
but the macros, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, and perfect for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, join the bandwagon, get on it. I got friends, listeners, everybody asking about Built Bars. Go there now, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. James, let's wrap up our weekend mailbag. And as always, we're going to piss people off because we're not going to get to everyone's questions. And uh, well, you guys can all blame PJ. That was a fun one. Going through all the position groups and assigning them tiers kind of gives you some good perspective, too, on, you know, where this Bengals roster is. But the next question that we were going to do was from Eric Bickle, BengalBick20 on Twitter. And Eric, we have answered this question in the past. He's wondering about, will the offense be more under center play action like the Rams did with the wide zone and Gurley in their Super Bowl run? Or will we see a lot of the shotgun, five wide stuff that we saw, empty stuff that we saw from the Bengals last year? I've talked about this one a lot in in previous weeks. So go check out some of our previous episodes. And, And I did talk a lot about some of the changes that I am expecting. And I think we'll see it somewhere in between those two things. But the next question we're going to talk about, James, comes from Thomas at... Thomas 93558299 on Twitter. I love it when I get to read numbers. He wants to know what's happening with Darius Phillips, James. He was the highest graded corner last year, and Thomas here is referring to PFF. And when people talk about the Bengals corners, they don't talk about Darius Phillips. How much playing time do you see Darius getting this year? And, and this is an especially timely question after Darren Simmons forgot about Darius Phillips uh, in his recent interview and, and had to apologize for it. And he shouldn't have had to apologize because it's easy to, and I get why he did, and I'm not trying to be mean to Darius, but it's easy to forget about a player that doesn't play a lot. And he's missed 12 games over the past two years. And that part of it's a lot. Um, that, that takes away from the highest graded this or his ball skills or his playmaking ability. I don't think the Bengals have any doubt about Phillips' playmaking ability. But if he can't be, you know, reliably on the field, then you got to go get someone. And I think that's why they went out and they got two corners that they feel like can start. They went out and got Eli Apple, who they'd be comfortable with at that fourth cornerback spot. And that's why Darius Phillips hasn't been handed the punt return job. He's the most talented of all those guys that are competing for it. From Puka Williams, who's never done it, to Trent Taylor, who's battled injuries. I think Phillips has the as high of, as upside as, as Williams in the experience of Taylor. The problem is is he's been injured and he hasn't been able to be back there even during some of this offseason work and workouts. So if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, I think he's got a great shot to impact on special teams at punt returner and be that fourth corner and maybe even make some big plays. But the Bengals are going to tell you on and off the record they need him to be consistent. And part of being consistent is not only being where you need to be when you need to be there and not getting beat for big plays, uh, but also – being healthy and trying to stay healthy. And I think that's his biggest thing. We talk about Jonah and some of these guys, but Darius Phillips, it's a big year for him from a health standpoint. He needs to show that he can play a a full season. I just hope he gets opportunities. I really don't have anything to add. I think you covered the, the gamut of the Darius Phillips conversation there. I really hope he gets the opportunity because he is really good and he should be the first guy off the bench. And if he's not, I'll probably be at least a little bit disappointed. What's our next question, James? Comes from Chris at Shadow Monkey Zero on Twitter. Which of the COVID-19 protocols for non-vaccinated versus vaccinated players do you think Joe Mixon is most upset by? 
I don't know if he's upset by any of the specific protocols, although I'm sure he would be upset if he couldn't hang out with his friends. Whether or not Mixon is vaccinated, we, we don't really know from his his statement. But I, I think that the primary issue that he takes is with the players union just going to bat for the players. And and it could, could be you could speculate that this is like Mixon doesn't want to get vaccinated. And so he's upset that these things might impact him. We don't know that for sure. What we do know is that he thinks that the union that represents him should have done a better job defending the choice of players to, to get this thing or not. Whether or not you agree with whether that should be a choice, the, the reality is there, there's one acceptable answer, I think, from football players, arguably, to, to not get the vaccine. And I'm not going to weigh in on this too much. But the most compelling answer to me, James, is that I'm a healthy world-class athlete, the risk to me if I get COVID is extremely low. There are things we don't know about this vaccine. It does create unintended side effects. And so based on that, and hopefully conversations with a medical professional or doctor, I could see a world where an NFL player might say, you know what, the vaccine isn't the right decision for my personal health situation. Usually that's not what you're hearing, from players and Cole Beasley's out there today talking about it. And usually when players tend to say things about not wanting the vaccine, it, it doesn't come off very well because usually you're not getting, in my opinion, very well-reasoned arguments. But I also totally get the idea of bodily autonomy. It's a pretty pressing or not pressing prevalent theme in modern society, bodily autonomy. You have choices about what goes into your body. And so I do get that from Mixon's perspective, from the player's perspective, and just the defensive choice, because the NFL has effectively, in my opinion, kind of taken that choice away with the limitations. They're making life very hard on players that choose not to get vaccinated. And that's the thing. I mean, I think that's where the anger comes from, right? I mean, I'm just going to read a couple sentences of this uh, unvaccinated players will be tested for COVID on a daily basis. They must wear masks while inside team facilities will have to be socially distanced from their teammates and face travel restrictions. They're basically going to have to travel separate. They won't be able to eat with their teammates or do any social media or marketing activities. They won't be allowed in the sauna or steam room at team facilities. Can't leave team hotels during road trips. It's just a lot. It's much, much more challenging too when the world's opening up and you have to do everything basically that you had yeah. to do last year. So yeah. You're right. It, it from a choice standpoint, it it sounds good to say, oh yeah, we're giving our players a choice. Uh, it doesn't really feel like it when you look at the the red tape. And so, if I was represented by a union, I do understand why the union isn't representing at least a minority of the 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 athletes that are saying, hey, we don't want to get this. And I'm not saying Mixon saying that, or it, you know, either way, because he said, hey, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I just want everybody to kind of be included and not shun for not getting it. This is, I think, was his point on social media. So it uh, it's one of those things that we're dealing with right now, for sure, as a as a country, as a world, and certainly impacts the NFL as well. It's a very sensitive subject. I mean, from the NFL's perspective, they see it as a player safety thing, I think, as a liability thing, I think. And essentially all they're doing is they're saying, if you don't get vaccinated, we're going to continue to pretend or maybe not pretend we're going to continue to act as we did last year, because this thing's still out there and we still need to protect people. 
And so I, I do get it from that perspective. It, it isn't pretending because COVID is still out there and there is vaccine resistance in the United States and it is not unique to the NFL. And so there is certainly a safety risk there. Next question, James, away from the topic, controversial topic of COVID-19 vaccines that everyone's sick of hearing about. Harold Moskowitz at Law on Twitter would like to know about players who had great performances that you noticed or looked like they really developed physically. And this is a great question for you because you got to see these guys in person in these mini camps or offseason activities. Not potential breakout players that should be better, but players that made big physical leaps or really stood out besides T. Higgins. And real quick, before I let you answer, I'm going to give you some credit for Puka Williams. This is not a guy that I gave much of a chance when that conversation first came up, but you were on it early and the Bengals are exploring creative ways to use him as a gadget guy and get him involved in the return game and try to leverage his athleticism. Yeah, he's certainly a guy from a an athletic standpoint and a quickness standpoint that stood out. I mean, he worked out with the wide receivers at the last couple of practices that I was at and he didn't look out of place. By any stretch, uh, I'll stick with another rookie, Chris Evans. And I felt good when Brian Callahan earlier this week, I asked about Evans. He's like, man, physically, he's got it because I think he's got it, too. And I haven't gotten within 10 feet of Chris Evans. But from a distance, you just can tell. And he's big. He's got great hands. He glides in the air and the ball uh, from a receiving standpoint. He looks great. Um, one more guy that I, I think looks how he should look if he's going to have a big year. And I'm just going to stick with the running back theme, I guess. Joe Mixon. Looks explosive, looks fast coming off of that injury. So that uh, that is good. Obviously has the the size and everything like that we know about Joe. Other guys, and this is the tough part, I didn't really get to notice any of the defensive backs. I, I was looking. There's just not much to notice at this point. I will say, in again, the offensive line, it's something we're going to focus on. It does feel like from a size standpoint, and there was actually a picture that Deontay Smith posted on Instagram earlier this month that I saw. It does feel like from a size standpoint, they are bigger. They're not going to be undermanned from a, you know, a physical standpoint, but you can only see so much right now. And once pads are actually on, we'll actually be able to, you know, in preseason, of course, we'll be able to see if these guys are moving people. If Jackson Carmen does have the athleticism that the Bengals feel like he has, because you only get a, a little slight bit of those, of that during OTAs and minicamp and the one day of minicamp that we had. So uh, those are some of them, but there's plenty, plenty, plenty that uh, we'll wait and see. And I've obviously praised Jamar Chase a ton. I think physically he stands out and, uh, and that's probably it from standouts. But again, it, I think it's harder for to, to see the, the defensive backs right now and to notice them. And it's certainly hard to judge the trenches. Yeah. The thing about the trenches is a lot of it's mental. And that's stuff that you can't really see at this part of the offseason program, maybe late in training camp a little bit. And then certainly in the preseason, that's when we'll be looking for that stuff. Last question, James. Nick Green at Green 796 would like to know if the next time Joe Burrow has a press conference, if you could please ask him if he's revisited his skyline isn't good take. I'm going to have to. I saw this question and I can't wait to ask Joe because, man, if he... He better not rip Skyline. And I do wonder if he's going to be a company man. If he's wise, he'd say, Sky what? 
I love Gold Star since mm-hmm. Gold Star is the the sponsor of the Bengals. That would be the route to go if you're Joe. So maybe if he listens, of course he does. Uh, there you go, Joe. You have the the answer locked and loaded when I ask. But absolutely, I'm willing to ask that. And hopefully I can ask that in person because I think that would be a fun first question to ask during uh, his first in-person news conference. I think what you do is you ask, has your stance on Cincinnati style chili changed? You don't put them in a, in a bind from a team <laughs> sponsorship perspective, but you still get to the heart of the question without trying to trap him and try to trap a guy like Joe. He's smart. He'll pick up on it. He'll, he'll see what you're trying to do. If you ask him about a brand, what do I do? If he says, no, I haven't tried it again. Do, do I invite him to lunch? I mean, sure. You could, why not shoot your shot, shoot or shoot, man. All right, there we go. James and Joe go to Skyline Gold Star or any local diner in Cincinnati because they all have Cincinnati style chili. There you go. Shoot or shoot. Motto of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. You see me do it on Twitter all the time. Sometimes it lands us Mina Kimes as a guest and maybe one day, James, it will land us Joe Burrow as a guest until that day and all the other days between now and then. For James Rapine, I'm Jake Lisko. Who day? And have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.